This episode of AHLA Speaking of Health Law is brought to you by AHLA members and donors like you. For more information, visit AmericanHealthLaw.org. Hi, I'm Norm Tabler with this month's edition of The Lighter Side of Health Law. Greg's List. This is about Greg's List, not to be confused with Craig's List. Greg is Greg Neal, the Tennessee Hospital CEO who was so used to ribbon cuttings and other openings that he opened a surgical procedure by opening the patient. That's right. He made the first incision in a live, sleeping, surgical patient. Here's a list of the bad things that have followed. I call it Greg's List. First, Greg was fired. Second, the surgeon who let him do it was fired. Then, everyone inside, Greg, the surgeon, and the hospital were all sued for various forms of negligence. Then, they were all sued for medical malpractice. Now Greg has been sued for assault, but that wasn't enough. Because Greg used a scalpel, it's assault with a deadly weapon and, as icing on the cake, the patient's lawyer insists Greg committed not only civil wrongs, but a crime. All in all, I'd say Greg has given surgery by non-physician administrators a bad name. Now we know why. Everyone who had tuition at Yale Medical School is about $6,000 a year higher than the average medical school. If so, news reports earlier this month provide at least a partial answer. It seems a Yale Med School administrator Ms. Jamie Patrone has been dipping into school funds. She's pleaded guilty to stealing $40 million. You heard correctly, $40 million. Jamie would order computer devices and tablets, supposedly for the school. When they arrived, she would sell them to an out-of-state business, then deposit the proceeds in a bank account of her own business. Why didn't anybody notice the theft before it amounted to $40 million? Well, Jamie was patient. She had authority for purchases up to $10,000 each, so she kept all her orders below that amount. But, of course, that raises the question why nobody noticed the sheer number of her purchases. After all, if her purchases below $10,000 totaled $40 million, there must have been over 4,000 purchase orders. And if the average iPad cost $1,000, Jamie could have ordered 40,000 of them. Wouldn't you think someone would notice? My schadenfreude. Schadenfreude is the term for taking pleasure in someone else's misfortune. I know it's a bad thing, but I can't help giving into it from time to time. Here's an example. I've always been a little jealous of securities lawyers. They always seem to be involved in multi-million or billion dollar deals. They get their names in the business section of the newspaper. They go to lavish closing dinners. And their offices are full of those nifty lucite paperweights with tiny securities documents inside them. Plus, they seem to dress better than the rest of us. So I couldn't help feeling a little smug when I read about a mistake by securities lawyers for Barclays Bank. They filed a shelf registration statement with the SEC for $20 billion. That meant that Barclays could sell $20 billion in investment products without going back to the SEC. All the securities lawyers had to do was keep track of the sales to know when they were getting close to the $20 billion limit. Only they didn't do it. Probably too busy rearranging those paperweights. When they finally did get around to it, the total was $35 billion. $15 billion of excess and therefore unregistered sales. The remedy? Barclays must buy back the extra $15 billion of securities at the original sales price. It makes me glad I went into health law. I've made my share of mistakes, but I never cost a client $600 million. Well, not all at once. When a slip and fall isn't just a slip and fall. I've always thought of a slip and fall against a hospital as a good example of ordinary negligence rather than medical malpractice. And apparently Mary Evans's lawyer thought the same thing, but we were both wrong. Mary alleged that she was in the ER suffering from seizures when she needed the bathroom. She was walking toward it when she fell and injured herself. Well, the Kentucky Court of Appeal agreed with the hospital's argument that Mary's case was a med-mal case and therefore required that she submit proof that she had consulted with a medical expert before filing suit. 
But she hadn't submitted such proof, so her case was dismissed. The reasoning? Mary was alleging that the ER staff should not have allowed her to walk unaided. They should have taken her to the bathroom in a wheelchair. That made the staff's medical judgment central to the case. The case is Mary Evans versus Baptist Health, Madisonville. Not my type. Recently, the D.C. Court of Appeals made a pronouncement about the types it likes and doesn't like. The types it likes are Times New Roman and Century. The type it doesn't like at all is Garamond. The pronouncement reads, Certain typefaces, such as Century and Times New Roman, are more legible than others, particularly Garamond, which appears smaller than the other two typefaces. Use of this typeface is discouraged. So if you're filing in the D.C. Court of Appeals, remember that Garamond is the wrong type. Stick with Times New Roman or Century. Personally, I think Garamond is more attractive, even elegant, except for the section symbol, which looks a little like a seahorse. But that's just me. The Can't Blame a Guy for Trying Award. This month's Can't Blame a Guy for Trying Award goes to Texas pain clinic doctor Rafath Kirashi. When his ex-employee Juanita Ochoa showed up at the clinic to retrieve personal belongings, he accused her of trying to steal medical records, flew into a rage, viciously shook her, and had the doors locked so she could not leave. When Juanita sued him for false imprisonment, his defense was not that he didn't do it. His defense was that the case should be dismissed, because it was actually a medical malpractice case. And since Juanita had not filed an expert report, as required by the Texas Med-Mal Act, it had to be dismissed. Just why was it a Med-Mal case? Why, his lawyer said with a semi-straight face, because it all occurred in a medical facility, QED. Barely suppressing their laughter, the Texas Court of Appeals affirmed the rejection of Dr. Karashi's motion to dismiss. The case is Ochoa versus Karashi, Texas Court of Appeals. Life imitating art. Remember the old movie, The Fortune Cookie? Walter Matthau was a scheming plaintiff's lawyer who talked his brother-in-law, Jack Lemon, into faking a personal injury so they could scam the insurance company. Mathau won the Best Actor Award. In the movie, the insurance company's private investigator constantly tries to film Lemon doing things he claims not to be able to do. That's exactly what happened in a North Carolina case. Hortense Hill sued an orthopedic surgeon, claiming that his negligence left her unable to walk. She had to rely on a scooter to get around and couldn't do things like walk and push her grandchild's stroller. But the defense showed video of Hortense walking, handling the curbs with ease, climbing stairs, loading her car with groceries, and carrying her grandchild as she walked merrily along. When the jury found in favor of the orthopedist, Hortense appealed, arguing that the video should not have been admitted. But the Court of Appeals ruled that the video was appropriate for impeaching Hortense's credibility. She opened the door to it when she took the stand and testified that she couldn't do the things the video showed her doing. The case is Hill v. Boone, North Carolina Court of Appeals. The Appeal of the Peel Approach Dr. Norman Vincent Peel is the author of The Power of Positive Thinking, which extols the value of always looking on the bright side of everything. That's what I'm going to do with the Nurses' Satisfaction Survey recently reported in Becker's Hospital Review. Here goes. Good news! A full 12% of nurses in the U.S. are happy in their positions. Well, that's it for this month's edition of The Lighter Side of Health Law. I hope you enjoyed it. Check your AHLA Weekly and Health Law Connection magazine for the next edition. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to AHLA Speaking of Health Law wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about AHLA and the educational resources available to the health law community, visit AmericanHealthLaw.org.